What's up, purpose-driven entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is D. Sharma. He is the co-founder and CEO of Wellness Coach. Is that really your the name of your company? That is, yeah. Isn't that a pretty uh, obvious name? What do you yeah. do? We're a wellness coach. All right. That's like, um, I had I did an interview with somebody on the show whose book is called The Self-Help Book. And I was like, that's brilliant. I just love the idea of naming a thing what it is. When I, my very first podcast was called Books for Kids, and we just Perfect. talked about kids' books. And then this podcast, Purpose Driven Entrepreneur, because that's who we're talking to. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So, D Sharma, you are a lifelong meditator turned serial entrepreneur who is passionate about using technology to enhance our mental health. After experiencing corporate burnout, you traveled the world for a year to study meditation and returned home to launch your latest venture, a wellness app committed to helping today's workforce avoid burnout and learn mindfulness. Your company has been described by the Wall Street Journal as Peloton meets Zoom meets guided meditation. I have no idea what that means. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you, Dee. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, so D, uh, this show, I am going to ask you, uh, the biggest question and that is, uh, what, how do you hope to be remembered when you die? Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, when you're doing what you were doing, the intro to me, you talked about, you know, my own struggles, uh, on of burnout and stress and anxiety that led me to sort of do some introspection. And in that period, I was reading a lot of books and one of the books I love uh, it's called The Five Regrets of the Dying by Brownie Ware. Oh, She's an Australian author. It. It's a huge book. It's a, it's a must read because if you want to find the answer, um, you know, when you have money, fame, and you're still upset and you have regrets when you're dying, like what should, why is that the case? So what she did was she, she was, uh, uh, you know, helping people in their last stage of their life. And so she compiled uh, the five regrets that were the most common for rich, poor, successful, not everybody. And the biggest one was, not spending enough time with family and friends, not, not okay. forgiving people. And you know, no, no matter how much money you have, that is so much, pre so precious, right? So uh, when I think about uh, what that actually did to me was come up with my own life's purpose, which was I wanna be better than yesterday. So as a, as a goal, so and I write about it every day, I wanna be better than yesterday. And part of being better than yesterday is I wanna make sure I'm spending quality time with family and friends. I'm care taking care of them as they're taking care of me. And I want to remember that somebody that was happy and cared about his family and friends and was just a caring person. That's it. No, <laughs> no big, you know, big stuff there because everything else is material. You know, that is yeah. what will stay with us. Yeah. Um, it's funny to think about a life's mission being to be happy and to be remembered as somebody that was happy. And when I think about people that are very old that have lived a long life, more often than not, it seems they're happy. And I don't know if it's part of the secret to longevity or if it's just some sort of weird coincidence or if it's just a show. <laughs> but it does seem to me that people that are happy tend to live longer. Uh, yeah, and, like and that's... If, you're, if you're worrying all the time about what's going to happen you know, in the future or what happened in the past, you're constantly negatively biased. There's research that shows that your longevity reduces. There's a thing called telomere, which is uh, well, the things in our cells that tell us about aging. And okay. there's another, there's a Nobel prize on this, that people who have the longest telomere cells 
are the ones that because they're not worrying all the time, they're happy and that's why they live longer. So what you were saying exactly is being researched and there's a Nobel Prize on this. Hmm. Um, so how did you said that all of this started for you because of burnout? T tell me about the burnout. Yeah, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is my fourth startup. And, you know, uh, right after college, it's just one after the other after the other. And um, we didn't, you know, I didn't even take like three days off. You know, in fact, my uh, honeymoon with my wife, who is now the co-founder, it's amazing. We're doing husband-wife team. It's been the best decision ever. In our honeymoon, we went to Bora Bora for like four days and uh, three out of four days I was working. And it was just like this culture instilled in entrepreneurs that we just have to work harder than the next guy. And I, over time, as I've gotten older, you know, I've had some success. It's been not, it's been, you have to work smarter and not just harder. And sometimes when you just work harder, you burn out and it costs a lot more because then you're not as efficient. Your mind can't work as efficiently. So I think burnout is very real. It happens to pretty much most of us. And, you know, before COVID, it was more of a taboo. Now everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Like we're getting burned out even at home, you know, working yes, because uh, long hours. come now. home. That's right. And there's, there's less of that boundary, like, oh, I'm going to get out of the office and drive home, right? Now there's like, okay, you're, you know, it's like, there's no boundary. And so we have to be so much more self-disciplined uh, than ever before. Yeah, for sure. Um, so was being a serial entrepreneur, is that what you always knew that you wanted to do? Or is it something that you fell into? Yeah, I love that question. You know, I always knew I was a serial inventor. But I need, didn't know that I was a serial entrepreneur. In fact, I didn't even know the word entrepreneur. So this is like uh, when I was young in my early 20s. Yeah. I joined How long ago was that? Yeah, it was uh, like 22. Uh, oh, I'm 45. So it's about 23 years ago. Awesome. Um, and I, I joined uh, Nokia Research Center in Helsinki, Finland. And I was part of the R&D team. And I just kept inventing stuff. You know, I had 11 patents filed and claimed in by the year. And I'm like, you know what, I want to take one of these ideas and make it into a company. That sort of mm -hmm. started uh, in Helsinki, like in late 90s. And then I came to San Diego and 2000, 2001 was my first company. And then second and third. And basically it was always about, hey, I want to invent something. But then, you know, if you invent it for somebody else, they may not take it the way you want to take it, right? And so it's like having that full vision with your invention. So I know I'm first off as an inventor. Second, because I want my inventions to go somewhere, <laughs> I am an entrepreneur. Yeah, makes sense. I know I always think of myself as secondly an entrepreneur because firstly, I've known that I've always wanted to be a kid's book author. That's like mm -hmm. ever since I was 10 years old reading Garfield comics, I was thinking to myself, I want to grow up and do this. I want to be what I didn't know the word for back then. What is a story artist? Somebody mm -hmm. that just professionally draws and illustrates stories. And um, cool. <laughs> I didn't know growing up, I didn't know if it was going to be that I would work in animated movies or, or, or what I would try to do with it. But when I was 17, my little brother, he was four and I was just looking for something. I wanted to make something for him. So I made this book, Billy the Dragon, for my little brother. And just every night, my goal was I want to try to either make him laugh freak him out, scare him, gross him out, say something really bizarre, basically create some kind of big reaction in him every night with whatever mm -hmm. new stuff I had written that night or drawn and uh, turned into Billy the Dragon. And when I was in my 20s, I was like, I think I think I want to really make the strongest effort that I can possibly make to make this thing my full-time job. And I spent the next, oh man, that was in 2014. I was, it, it took me until 2018 for it to become my full-time living. 
And what it required was I had to tour the U S and just never, I just had to always be touring. I had to basically, Mm -hmm. I was, I was trying to be in a school twice a day, every school day, (laughs) because, because that was the way that I was making sales. Uh, The schools, elementary schools were broke, but the, the parents would, you know, they'd hear, Oh, there's an author coming to the school. And I had a video that I would make sure that they, that the teachers played for the kids and then the kids would show it to their parents and so I, I just would make sales off of uh, visiting the schools. Well, COVID no wiped that story. off the yeah. table. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. How did, you, how did you transition to the new world? Yeah. So um, I still tour. I just tour virtually. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. there isn't any money in touring virtually for a kid's book author at elementary schools. At least I haven't figured out how to monetize it. The good news for me, though, is um, my passion is making the kids books. I just want to make mm-hmm. stories that kids love. And mm-hmm. so by by staying touring uh, almost every week, I'm in an elementary school via Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. I am just continually honing the craft of making kids books. And so uh, my company, Dinosaur House, is I, 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 the, the tagline is we turn industry leaders into kids book authors. So I have a mm-hmm. customer who his book is, uh, he's the podcast agency guy. And uh, the company is Sweetfish. They are the most well-known company that produces podcasts for B2B brands. And his kid's book is, uh, I want to have a podcast when I grow up. And then there's a company called Demana, and they make medicine for UTIs. And their book is called, Why Does It Burn When I Pee? And it's literally <laughs> about uh, UTIs and what is a UTI and how, how does it happen? And no, it doesn't mean that you're gross and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, so essentially it's a it's a similar business model to what scribe does except in my opinion way more it's way more in the wheelhouse of what i love uh and that has been you know the business would have never started if it weren't for covid um i still want to figure out how to you know be a successful and famous kids book author uh, I think YouTube is going to play a role in that. I'm really mm-hmm. excited by the fact that there currently is no, have you ever seen on YouTube, the whole, um, uh, you know, uh, doctor reacts to surgery, you know, scenes from TV and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Have you ever seen those on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which yeah. by the way, I wonder, I bet there's no meditation expert reacts to meditation videos. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet you there isn't. Yeah. That's a great you, idea. You need to do that. <laughs> seriously I write it down, <laughs> <I will> write <laughs> it down. <laughs> well uh, for, there's also no kids book author reacts to kids book mm-hmm. related things so I'm, uh, I'm excited to start uh to start doing that too but i don't like even that uh, unboxing kind of thing right like with the unbox the device you know that's a reaction yeah have you also yes. seen like there's a zoom has a platform now called on zoom on dot zoom dot us that's also gaining popularity where you can uh, do what you're doing, uh, but actually let people join and pay for it. Uh, so check it that out. Yeah, um, it would be fun, but I don't think a lot of people would pay for it. Um, and that, that could be a defeatist mentality. But I mean, I've tried, I, I've tried uh, getting, just getting parents to come to my kids' book readings for free, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the attendance is low. And when I'm, when I'm going to schools, like physically going to schools or on zoom, going to schools, obviously mm-hmm. attendance is high because they're all in school right. Right. and it's a welcome break from school. Right. Yeah. I don't know what it says about me that it's like, I can win against school, but no, not against the, free time. Yeah. 
it's just a remote work environment. You know, parents are just uh, struggling at home with kids. Nobody expected uh, this pandemic, right? Nobody experienced, yeah. uh, had their lives. Everybody went, you know, they had, they, this was completely shaken. And, you know, it's hurt a lot of people's personal lives. You know, they, alcohol abuse is the highest level, drug abuse is the highest level. I mean, what pandemic has done is, you know, just uh, you know, torn apart a lot of families. So I, you know, we're happy that, you know, this is the last throws, you know, hopefully by May or June, we'll get to sort of some sort of herd immunity. And then you can start going back to schools, you know, seeing yeah. little people and, you know, yeah. uh, kids learn in schools. I mean, kids you know, don't learn in um, remote, you know, environments. So it's actually very important for kids to go back to school as well. Yeah. Uh, D, what got you passionate about meditation? You said it was the burnout. Um, how, how did you go about starting your company? Yes. So what, you know, I was doing uh, when I was stressed out, I would, you know, download one of the popular apps and I would try to meditate for 10 minutes to relieve stress and anxiety. Um, But what ended up happening was those 10 minutes, I would just be consuming my own thoughts and never actually really meditate. Yeah. It wasn't really helping. So I figured I need a real coach, real meditation coach to help me answer my questions around meditation, like basic questions. How do I stop the thoughts from constantly overtaking my mind? How do I stop the to-do list that I always have? And I found this monk uh, in Thailand who's a German monk. And my wife and I did this together. We actually went on a retreat. And by the end of that retreat, I was a different person because I hmm. understood the basics. And having that human person answer questions right away like was the big you know, impact I had. So one question I asked him, like, hey, I, and every time I close my eyes, there's a to-do list. Like, I, I need to do this, this yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so his answer was, why don't you put a time on your calendar every day, 2 p.m. every day, that say, that's all I'm going to do is put the to-do list down. And so next time I close my eyes to meditate, I knew I had time on my calendar to think about the to-do list. So that went away. So like slowly sort of opening my mind to just not engaging in thoughts constantly. That led to really, you know, a lot more retreats, a lot more coaches, you know, around the world. That, that led to, you know, realizing that something like this does not exist where you can have a human person that you can attract with, you know, group setting. So wellness coach, you know, we do six to eight live classes a day and they're actually free to join. Anybody can join from all, all over the world. And in each class after a meditation session or it's a workout or financial wellness session, there's a Q&A portion for not 15 to 20 minutes. And you can type your question in or use audio to ask questions. But that is really the valuable part of what we're providing to the community, which is, you know, if you don't understand something, you can come here, we have experts, you can ask those questions. And that's what I needed back in the time. Now, it's been over three and a half years of, you know, a lot of mindfulness practice. So, you know, now I'm, you know, really appreciating what we build, but also sort of, you know, trying new things, you know, uh, longer meditations or silent meditations where there's no conversation and just learning new, new, new ways to be at peace. This is a really basic question about meditation, but it's just one that I don't understand. And that is, why is it so valuable to spend time in the day essentially doing absolutely nothing? Like, I never turn off. I literally <laughs> never, you know, I try to turn off like where I just, I, I call it vegging out. I'll tell my girlfriend, like, I need to veg out for a while. And I'll <laughs> literally just mindlessly watch YouTube. But even then I don't turn off. Yeah, it's a, it's a very important turn off. So I was used to be like you, and that caused a lot of stress and anxiety. If you're always on, there's a lot of triggers that will trigger you for different things. You know, trigger could be for, you know, eating something or getting in a bad mood or constantly triggers because you're constantly on, your mind's constantly thinking. 
as a society, we're taught that our minds are the most powerful things, like that they control everything. There's a difference between brain and mind. Brain is intelligence, mind is just thoughts, right? And so the first thing is, you know, and then then the advent of smartphones. So ever since we have had a mobile smartphone in our hands, that's always telling us what to do. Imagine how many push messages you get, how many messages you get, how many times you go to social media. And every time you expose yourself to social media or any of these messages, the worst thoughts, because we are biased negatively, human beings have a tendency to survive, right? That's why we exist in the and all the other species are going away, we're not yes. gonna go away because we have a survival instinct, right? Yes. Survival instinct means negativity is higher priority or positivity. So what happens is all the news, everything is negative yes. bias creeps up. So now if you're always on, always looking at social media or information, you're basically feeding that feedback loop of negative, 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 right? What is crazy to realize is every day, you have 80% of the same thoughts the next day and every day. You just keep repeating the same thoughts. Majority of the thoughts you repeat are negative. So to turn off really means to reprogram that negativity or negative thoughts. Like uh, one of the things I say to everybody, you don't fail because of trying, you fail because you have doubts. Self-doubt is the biggest reason for people failure. Not actually they tried something. How about you have self-doubt? Well, because you're feeding this negative bias yourself all the time. Social media is feeding it, news is feeding it. So turning off meaning resetting the mind to start in a blank slate. Like imagine if you're a kid and you're born the first day, you're not gonna look at things in, that scare you or not scare you or look at people as you know uh, different color or religion, nothing. You have zero slate, like, you, have, you have no perspective, right? And then you get perspective over time by listening to your family, parents, this, that, and then suddenly you become this person. Well, yeah. is that some, something you were supposed to be or you were, you were in an environment that you became, right? So just turning off meaning, erasing the negative parts of your learning and keeping the positive ones. Hmm, man. You're getting me thinking about it. <laughs> it it's, sounds it's, appealing. Cause like I was thinking today, I, I posted a post on, on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and um, very low amount of comments. But one of the people that commented um, was genuinely interested in it, He said, wow, a light bulb went off. I, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to talk to you about doing this, the thing that mm -hmm. I sell. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if he's going to be a customer or not, but the fact that I posted something and a light bulb went off for somebody, mm -hmm. and now he wants to talk to me about creating the thing that I sell, mm -hmm. um, amazing. And yet, that's not what I'm focused on. I'm focused on the <laughs> fact that my post didn't get many comments. <laughs> right. And also, you know, this, this is exactly my point. So the comment section or like section, you're focused on how many likes did I get, how many comments did I get? Versus on, was there one good connection that could help you to the next, get to the next place? It's not you, everybody does this. We have such a big negative bias that we spend all of our energy on what didn't work. We're spending energy on what is working. Part of what I do is, you know, I have a journal. I write a journal every morning. So I wake up and I say, is my life better than yesterday? And if it is, then what is what changes happened that make me better? If it didn't go better, then what can I fix, right? So this thing is called really called gratitude journal where you're, so you say, I'm thankful for this, this, and this. So I would highly encourage write three things that you're thankful for every morning, like this post that they connected with you, write that down. And the more you write it down, it becomes real. Now you're changing your mindset to only focusing on the good stuff that's coming out, not the bad stuff. And what that does is you, your mind has now more bandwidth to focus on the good stuff. Yeah, man, D, I love it. D, I have a for fun question for you. Because I'm a kid's book author, and I believe that you leave a legacy by reaching the hearts of kids, what's a topic or idea that you would make a kid's book about if you could? Oh, that's an amazing question. 
Um, I, I have time to think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love kids. World to think. Yeah, I, I would, you know, it's probably a little too serious, but I would try to think of giving kids a unbiased environment to grow up in. So a book where, you know, they know that um, everybody grows up in a biased environment and how they can understand that bias mm. is a part of what society is about yeah. and make it fun and understanding so they can actually like learn something from it and choose the path they want to be on. Because, you know, I think most of us think we have a choice, but you know, we, we don't until we get a lot older or sometimes we never have a choice. When you say bias, what do you mean in that context? Yeah, I mean, everything is biased, right? Like, how, you know, I live in Miami, so I may be, I may be biased towards somebody that lives in, you know, five blocks from, like everything, like, we're so biased as a society, uh, you know, how we look at other people, you know, it could be color, it could be height, it could be weight, you know, it could be gender, like everything about us is telling, you know, we're taught to differentiate ourselves from day yeah. one. Yeah. You know, either, you know, in whatever way it is. And so I feel like if we can write something where we're all the same DNA sequence, like it's like at the core, it's nothing's different. So like teaching kids that the bias is made by humans for human benefit and they have a choice, I think would be amazing uh, book to have. And, you know, if you write it to me, I'm like going to co-author with you and, and sponsor it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Let's, 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 let's jam on that idea a little bit after this podcast. If that's okay with you. D, thank you so much for being on my show. How, how should listeners connect with you? Um, LinkedIn is great. Uh, they can just type D Sharma. I'm the first result or D at wellnesscoach.life. That's my email. Awesome. Thanks for being on. Thank you, Timmy. 